Where do the normal effects of having survived trauma and the normal mindset struggles that can come with owning a business collide? Hi, welcome to another interesting conversation over here at Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray, and I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners and leaders. And today, I will also say that apparently I am not afraid to have the hard conversations repeatedly. Um, I started a conversation the other day about how do we speak our truth? How do we um, sort of say those provocative things, the controversial things, tell people People who we are so that they actually believe us? How do we stop playing vanilla so people know how we can be separated from the pack and how we might be better than um, or at least different than somebody else that they could choose to buy services from? I also did an episode about surviving trauma and getting rid of the old ghosts that come up. In the middle of all of that, I did a podcast episode on another show called Lifestyle Builders with Tom and Ariana Sylvester, and that episode came out yesterday, and the episode was titled The Myth of Money Mindset. So what ends up happening is on one show and in one episode, I'm talking about the idea that you get to stand in your truth. You get to say the thing that not everyone will agree with. You get to tell people your opinion, show them who you are so they believe you. And in that set of episodes, and in also a recent episode that I talked about um, maybe a week or so ago, the idea that new business owners need to get their reps in, that you can't skip to the head of the class, go from having never done your skill set to being a business owner. I'd rather continue the conversation on Lifestyle Builders yesterday, where Tom and Ariana were asking me, how do I approach money mindset? And money mindset is a phrase, if you haven't heard it before and you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're a little bit proving my point. But money mindset is a term that keeps coming up over and over again in the online business space to talk to or speak to or describe the condition or the series of thoughts that business owners have where they sometimes doubt their worth. They don't believe people will pay them. They're afraid of charging their worth. They're afraid of charging premium prices for fear of what people will think or that people won't buy. And that whole cluster of confusion has been created by entrepreneurs and called money mindset. So when I was on yesterday's show for Lifestyle Builders, that's what I said, that this is a symptom that's been created by entrepreneurs to describe a problem that has nothing to do with mindset. It's just a business strategy problem. People are too new to business. They haven't gotten their reps in. They're not trained in business strategy, business development. They don't have the brick and mortar mentality is really what I was talking about. That I never, when I was in my private mental health therapy practice, ever worried that I was charging too much or not charging enough because I had to pay my rent and I had to pay my cell phone bill and I had to pay my Wi-Fi bill. And when the barrier to entry is so low to build an online business and you don't have startup expenses and the risk is relatively low, you're led to believe that you can just have this business handed to you on a platter. And what ends up happening is you don't realize you don't know what the heck you're doing until you're a quarter of the way in or halfway in. 
And then suddenly all these doubts and all these questions come up and you suddenly tell yourself you have a money mindset problem or a mindset problem of some other creation. That's the discussion I was having. But then, you know, in rapid succession, I was on my own show talking to a trauma survivor recently who still hears the hater in her head from years of abuse that she suffered as a child. And I walked her through in that episode, how do you start to like yourself again? How do you start to believe that life is possible on the other side of trauma? And what I was starting to worry about is having those conversations so close together could perhaps run the risk that trauma survivors listening to both episodes would think that I was minimizing their pain. That if they're coming to business ownership, feeling small, feeling worthless, feeling less than as a result of their trauma, and then they hear me say that they have no such thing as a money mindset problem, they could think that I'm minimizing their pain or telling them that there's nothing to feel bad about. And in an abundance of caution, and making sure that I tell people what I think and that like I transparently communicate. I started this conversation with you on today's show. Some of you listening, you're going to find it redundant. You're going to know the difference I'm talking about. You're going to know the difference between money mindset as this made up fabricated thing that entrepreneurs have created for themselves to feel better. And you're going to know and trust that I don't think that's true about trauma survivors. And you're going to know the difference I'm describing. If you're already there, (laughs) you get my permission to skip this episode, find another old favorite, find another another show that you really enjoy listening to. Um, Right now, I'm telling everybody I know about this podcast called Kind World. It's like this quick little five-minute ditty of a show, but every episode is just good news and people being kind to one another, and I think it's a good idea to spread kindness. So if you don't need to hear me separate these two concepts, go and listen to an episode of Kind World. But if you are a little stuck and you do need some clarification, or you're worried that I may not get you, that I may not see you, that I may not hear you or understand you, this episode is for you. Because here's the deal. We all at every stage of our life bring stories to our present that have been informed by our past. One of my favorite professors in college, Fran Waxler. I I hope she's still alive somewhere and still writing books. But she wrote a book and one of the sort of early formative experiences of me in college was reading this book and it was called The The Little Trials of Childhood, I believe is how she described it. And it was this idea that every kid, every person and the process of growing up has to go through regular everyday things. We're not talking about like the intense bullying and being, you know, pulled in a dark alley or chased home or something. But we're talking about like not getting picked on the team or auditioning for the play and not getting it, studying for the test and not getting an A, um, doing your best and your best not being enough. And the little things that come that you just have to learn growing up, those little trials of childhood, how to share, what to do when someone doesn't share, how do you manage being left out? 
those stories and those experiences can sometimes inform how we see ourselves a million years later. That's only magnified when we have abnormal events that disrupt our normal development. So when clinical trauma happens, when life interrupts the process through abuse, through neglect, through accident, through, you know, all of the awful things. I'm trying to avoid saying things that could be, you know, triggering for people because I don't need to name the specific kinds of trauma in order for people to understand what I'm talking about. But when those things disrupt our normal development, they intensely inform the the stories we carry about ourselves. So if you've survived a trauma and you've gone and rebuilt your life and you start to think to yourself about running a business, the thoughts you have about whether or not you're capable, the thoughts and beliefs you have about what might be possible for you can be informed by that trauma. Just like somebody might worry that nobody's going to buy their product because they were always the kid who was picked last on the team. Those are normal thoughts to have given your personal experiences and given your past. And they absolutely need to be dealt with, handled, respected, and validated. It's my belief and it's my bias that we invalidate that experience when we lump it in some stupid term called money mindset, because that isn't what the problem is. The problem is, is you haven't learned to see yourself on the other side of that trauma. I reached out to a member in my community who I know has experienced some trauma, and I talked to her a little bit about um, the episodes and the conversations I've been having, because I wanted to make sure I was communicating clearly. Clearly, and I trust her judgment on this and that I knew she would, you know, tell me what she thought. And she knew that I was talking about the difference. But one of the things that she asked me is how do trauma survivors define themselves after this event? Because they so largely and so often get defined or define themselves by the thing that happened to them. And I get it because I used to, you know, when my mom died when I was six, for the longest time, I just identified as a motherless daughter. Like that was, that wasn't just a thing that happened to me. It like, it was me. And it took me a really long time to come out from under that and to make the choice to come out from under that. And so I thought it would be helpful, given her question, that I spend some time talking about that because I think that that's how trauma survivors can build businesses with confidence and leave their ghosts behind. They have to redefine themselves. They have to see who they are on the other side. And something that I didn't touch on in the episode that I did the other day about how trauma survivors can like themselves again is the idea that part of this is accepting that the trauma happened. So often, people don't want to redefine their stories about themselves. People don't want to update their version of themselves or overcome the awful thing that happened because in doing that, they somehow feel as though they're giving permission to the awful event that they endured, whatever they survived, whatever awful thing happened, is that if they really survive it, if they're just 
badasses. They'll go out and grab life with both hands and live the dream and do everything they want. They're somehow saying that, first of all, that trauma wasn't so bad because look at what you're capable of now. And that secondly, they're giving permission to the trauma. And I remember feeling this way um, when my husband was in his court case um, after his bus accident um, and we were, you know, in mediation for it. And one of the things that we were talking about, you know, when we're we're looking at damages and, and all of that, and one of the things that people on the other side said, the bus company said, as well, he's still trying to be a doctor. Um, so, you know, clearly the damage isn't that bad. And I, I remember like wanting to kill people, <laughs> right? Like, do not pass go, do not collect $100, just go right from clinical social worker to murderer <laughs> because I just wanted to kill people. And the message that like, you know, it couldn't be that bad because despite disability, he was still going to try to be a doctor is so insulting, right? It's so maddening to think that somebody's going to make that argument, but that's what it can sometimes feel like. And we can tell ourselves that story that like, if you become everything you're capable of, if you move into your potential, you're somehow implying or risking even implying that it wasn't that bad. And some people will stay stuck and stay down to avoid that. The other thing is, is that acceptance piece. And you've heard me say it in that last episode, and you're going to hear me say it again today, that acceptance does not have to be permission. And there is a distinct difference. When people are stuck in grief, for example, when people are caught in that grief process and they don't want to accept it, so often they're avoiding acceptance because they don't want to say that the thing that the awful thing that happened was okay that it happened. So they just skip that entirely. Um, What I'm talking about isn't permission. What I'm talking about is being able to acknowledge that something happened and it altered your view of yourself and your view of the world. Acceptance is simply acknowledging it happened. You don't have to give it permission. You don't have to say it's okay. You can acknowledge that you survived despite the hellhole you found yourself in. There can be a clear distinction. But part of getting to the other side is accepting that it happened, acknowledging that it is going to inform your view of life going forward, but you get to control how. I think we risk the beauty in recovery and in recreating new stories and writing endings to new chapters when we put experiences like this in the mindset category of business. It just minimizes it, makes it insignificant, and makes it seem small. And that's the last thing I want to do. I do want to help people recreate new chapters to their stories and redefine themselves on their terms according to the life that they want and the businesses they want to have. And because I want to do that, I can't get distracted by the nonsense of fabricated, inexperienced people who want to run businesses, then feel insecure because that's the normal response to doing something that you don't have experience in is you get insecure and calling it a mindset problem. That's why it's so important to me that I'm having this discussion with you today. Because if you have been through life, if life has handed you a pile of garbage and you are working to get to the other 
other side of it. I don't want you to minimize your experience by calling it mindset or money mindset or any of those other made up nonsensical terms. Nor do I want you to stay in the shit of your trauma in your victimhood, in the, this awful thing happened to me and I can't ever get on the other side of it because both are an insult to what you're capable of and to what you've experienced. It is really hard and incredibly challenging to get out of that place of being defined by your trauma. But if you continue to define yourself by your trauma or simply allow other people to define you by your trauma, you are running the risk of staying in that victim mentality rather than moving to the survivor mentality, rather than moving to the person who's an overcomer who has um, seen some life and gotten to the other side of it. You are allowed to survive this. You are given permission to survive this. And you deserve to survive this. And you're nobody's victim. Just like the woman in the letter the other day said, she said, I'm a proud woman and I'm nobody's victim. And I'm like, hell yeah, woman, that's exactly who you are. Exactly who you are. Like you get to be somebody who stands in their own strength, somebody who speaks their own truth, who has the hard talks, says the tough conversations and gets to the other side of it. Part of that is figuring out, um, I give this reference all the time in so many different examples, but how do you like your eggs now? Um, I've quoted the movie Runaway Bride um, because he tells her, you're so lost, you don't even know how you like your eggs because based on different situations she's in and different relationships, sometimes she eats her eggs poached, sometimes she likes them scrambled, sometimes she does eggs benedict, etc., etc. But it's this idea that now that this has happened to you, if you're going to redefine yourself and you're not going to be held back by mindset and you're not going to be held back by negative, destructive, hater in your head comments, part of how you have to do that is introduce yourself to who you are today. So what do you think about things? What are your favorite shows? What are the things that inspire you? What are the things that infuriate you? What are your passions, your dreams, your goals? What are your like total, total pet peeves? Because one of the things that I see a lot with trauma survivors is because they've survived like the absolute worst things that could possibly happen. They don't give themselves to get an, like permission to get annoyed when they like get cut off in the road or something. So what annoys you? What are your favorites? What are your least favorites? It's kind of like you have to get to know yourself, all of you, as if, not as if the trauma never happened, but as if it's simply a couple of the puzzle pieces that make up you. You need to get to know all the other parts. And sometimes that means reading books that you would never read, you know, in the past just to see what you think about them or watching TV and, you know, types of shows that you would normally never watch just to see what you think. But reintroduce yourself to yourself. Who are you now that this happened? Because that is where you're going to find your growth. It's where you're going to find your hope. But more importantly, that's where your toolbox is the tools that help you survive the next time 
life happens. Because here's the kicker in it, right? Like you can survive the worst thing ever and then have another worst thing happen because that's just the way life goes. I still think in this awful, awful time, I had this client whose parents unexpectedly died seven days apart from separate illnesses in two different hospitals down the road from one another because the two parents got like freak illnesses at the same time. I like, you know, that awful kind of thing can happen. And then like six months later, she miscarried. Um, that, that, that's the, the, just the awful, awful hard part of life that we have to accept. But if we don't take time to recognize what we've survived, that we we leave the tools on the side of the road because how did we survive it? What did we do? Did we listen to motivating podcasts? And I certainly hope my podcast is on that list of motivating podcasts. But did we read a book? Did we go to therapy? Did we um, find a passion, a hobby? Did we, um, you know, spend build new relationships and deepen new friendships? What are the things that work to get you to the other side of your hard time? If you don't give yourself permission to survive it and you don't give yourself permission to have gotten to the other side of it, one of the things you risk is having no clue as to how you did it and the tools that you're going to have access to the next time things are hard or things are scary and you think you can't possibly do X, Y, or Z. You Part of surviving it, part of updating this version of yourself and telling yourself a new story is having access to those tools that you use that got you there. And if you don't give yourself permission to have survived, you're not going to have access to those tools. And those tools are the other thing you use to rewrite that story and to change the ending to the current version of you. None of that is imposter syndrome. None of that is shiny object syndrome. None of that is money mindset. That's real life. And all of us have been through something, right? And all of our somethings inform our stories, tell us who we are, and some of those thoughts build us up, some of those thoughts build us down, but we have to confront them head on. We can't cover them up in some sort of fancy puffed up version of something that makes us feel better. We have to look it in the eye, deal with it, and confront it. That's why I'm having this conversation with you today, because I do not want to run the risk that trauma survivors leave my episodes thinking that I don't think their pain is real or that they're not worthy of attention or that they're making up their symptoms. I'm just simply encouraging them to own their thoughts and feelings as their own so they can start to change them. Because if you've been through a little trial of childhood or you have seen the absolute worst that life has ever handed you, your truth lies in your story, how you interpret it, and where you want it to go next. That's why I have these hard conversations with you. So one of the things too, in full transparency, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. One of the ways that you can stop worrying about what people think is to tell them what you want them to think and to recognize that once you do that, control ends with you. That's as much as you can control. So it was really important to me today, and I'm modeling this for all of you. So take notes <laughs> that I tell you what I thought. I did not want trauma survivors to think I was minimizing their pain.
beginning, middle, end. I now can't control whether or not that's still something they hear, how they interpret it. I can't control that part. All I can say is this is what I want you to know and think about where I stand and you are allowed to have your own opinion about that. That's the other way you stand in your truth because that's where this whole conversation and series of conversations we've been having this week have land had started was how do you say the thing you're afraid to say is when you tell people what you want them to think when you show people who you are so that they believe you then you let it go and you put it out there into the universe and you trust that the people who will get you will get it and the people who don't get you probably aren't your people. Thanks so much for having these conversations with me. I've gotten really incredible letters from people this week. I've also got I've also gotten, you know, those attacking letters from people who I don't think get what I'm trying to do here, which is um just as fine, but I see that we're doing something real. I I really believe in my bones we're doing something important, and I am so freaking proud of it, and I am so glad to be in it with you every day, having these hard conversations and, and encouraging one another to grow into bigger, bolder versions of ourselves so that we can have the lives we love and the businesses we want. Thanks for being in it with me today, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.